welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast the show which allows you to connect, learn and be inspired from other entrepreneurs, online business owners and remote employees from around the world. Today is a very special episode. I'm joined by my good friend Carlo Cretero from nextstopwhoknows.com. He's a fellow Irishman and we met in Thailand back in 2013. In this episode, you're going to learn about how Carlo has managed to build multiple five-figure online businesses while traveling the world with his partner Florence. You're also going to learn how he manages these businesses and what allowed him to scale these service offerings to provide the revenue that they do currently. And also we're going to dig into what advice he would give to up and coming digital nomads, as well as seasoned digital nomads who've been in the game for a while. He's going to provide his advice and tips on how you too can help optimize and grow your business. And even if you're just getting started, how you could get started with getting your first clients. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All the resources and links mentioned will be found at digitalnomadcafe.com forward slash episode one. Hello, Carlo. All right, Adam, what's the crack? How are you? All's good. All's good. Excited to get this podcast up and running. Yeah, it's been, you've been on about it for a while. So yeah, it's great to get it up and running eventually. So that's it. Best of luck with it. Yeah, hopefully look. So we're going to roll with it and see how it goes. Hopefully everything goes well. And, you know, we're not perfectionists here, but at the same time, this is something that, you know, I've wanted to do for a while. I am passionate about uh, remote work and, you know, being able to work online and work from wherever you want. And, you know, we are kind of too opposite ends of the spectrum in that we both like that sort of lifestyle and we both have that vision but i actually am currently living in ireland currently living in ireland <laughs> for the next month but then i'm off again yeah then you're off so you know um ha- having a child slow down uh, my travels exactly. but you know yourself and florence who's your partner you know you you still get to travel around the world and and do all the do all that great good stuff and build your business while you do it so yeah or try to anyway <laughs> well that's it so um i suppose the best place to start in any of these situations is to get right into you know why don't you give us a little introduction into your business you know what it is that yourself and florence do that it gives you the freedom to travel the world and, and work online yeah so basically as you said we met back in uh, 2013 we were uh, in chiang mai and uh, that's kind of the the start of where our journey kind of begins we left ireland in we left Ireland in July to Thailand on a one-way ticket with the intentions of continue to grow our back then small little content agency. Um, so over the years, we um, we basically built up our content agents, agency to a 40-man uh, writing team or 40-person writing team, I should say, um, where we had writers from you know Ireland, UK, Australia, um, America predominantly. And... Um, that allowed us, you know, to scale scale up our business to five figures a month. Um, and then we, you know, we started then uh, testing out other forms of income. So like we do uh, out, manual outreach with uh, bloggers in all different niches uh, to place links on, on their blogs for advertising purposes. And the past two years, we've also moved into the whole local SEO um, realm of things. So we do kind of rank and rent websites uh, do client SEO. So combining those three, we've that's kind of 
formed the basis of our you know um online online income we're slowly surely trying to get everything moved over to the local seo uh client seo route so that uh, it's a lot more manageable it's a lot more scalable and um obviously the the money could be a lot bigger as well yeah absolutely i uh, you know it's been it's funny perspective here because you know you're one of the few guests who i actually have seen um will have seen develop the business throughout the years you know as yeah. mentioned we did meet in chiang mai in 2013 and at that time you, you were doing the, the freelance writing and i can imagine you know even managing 40 writers you know for a lot of people you know it, it wouldn't come without its difficulties i would imagine so um you know, like with regards, even in my own experience, when you're hiring writers, you know, sometimes they can increase their rates or, you know, not deliver on projects. So can you dig into a little bit about, you know, how, you know, I suppose how you started scaling? Did you put some systems in place when you were right, um, hiring out these new writers? And Yeah, well, yeah, it, kind of, it was actually, it's it's it was, we started off uh, like most people when you're, you, you know, you're doing that kind of freelance writing. And then when you go into the outsource side of things, we were doing everything through email. So our clients would email us, um, you know, through Gmail. We would then email, you know, copy and paste certain bits over and email our uh, writers through Gmail. And that worked fine. And it wasn't until like, you know, 2015 when we really kind of hit a roadblock in that we were getting more clients. And then we needed to have more writers on board, but we just didn't have a process there. Like Gmail, as you know, Adam is great and all that and has a lot of functionality, but it wasn't the it was not it's not really a project project management platform. So we looked into a few different things, and what we wanted was something simple, something easy. And um, I know you use Asana personally, um, and you told us about that, and we just kind of said, you know what, we try Trello, and let's see how that works. So. Thankfully, we, we, you know, we put in a bit of time to kind of set up a few systems, got each of our writers set up with their own private board on Trello where we can then allocate them work um, orders and stuff like that. And honestly, that's, that was the main factor that allowed us to scale up to a 40-person operation, you know, because then we only had to worry about uh, emails coming from our clients. Um, so we'd then take them emails and then we would create the different uh, projects for our writers and delegate the the work through that. So honestly, Trello was the major driving force behind us that allowed us to, you know, increase our our team up to forty. Now, obviously, there's Asana, there's Basecamp, there's multiple other platforms. But what we needed, Trello was more than was more than uh, capable for doing that for us. Yeah, it's it's often a funny one, isn't it? It's usually Asana or Trello. Everybody's yeah, everybody's yeah. got their favorite. You know, Process <laughs> Street is another one if you're going into That's the true. Yeah. you know lot, having lots of SOPs and everything, but you know, I suppose winding back there. So, just for context for our listeners, you know, you started this stuff in 2013, and it was around 2015. So it was two years of working on this, and you know, putting in the effort, managing your clients, you know, delivering on your results, you know, and building it up to that point. So, you know, I'm just trying to, I really want to paint a picture of context in this podcast is that you know how people got to where they are, and that it's it's a process, and that it takes time. Absolutely. You know, there's no magic bullet to, you know, let's say a, a five figure a month online business. You know, you have to build up the relationship with these clients. And, yeah, you know, I suppose in that context, landing your first clients. Can, can we talk about that a little bit? Because this is, I suppose, where, where a lot of people might be. Yeah, like, um, you know, we started out, um, it, as you said, to give you some context, basically, we, we obviously we love traveling and that. And we 
we went away in 2011 uh, for a planned eight-month uh, backpacking trip around Southeast Asia. And halfway through that, I uh, I damaged uh, one of my vertebrae on my lower back, which meant we had to cut our trip in half. Um, so we came back home after four months because I wasn't able to travel or nothing. It was just no point in just sit, sitting in the one spot, um, which was, funnily enough, Chiang Mai at the time. So we uh, we came back home, tail between the legs. And I basically wanted to say, okay... 2013, I said to Florence, we're going to go to South America to make up for our Southeast Asia disaster. And, uh, you know, it was kind of the, the the middle of 2012, Florence said to me, she goes, look, I don't want to go to South America. And I was like, why? And she was like, well, because we go to South America for X amount of months, we come home kind of broke, we'll have to rinse and repeat, you know, start working again, job and all this, you know, replenish all our savings, rinse and repeat. So she goes like, would you not think like it would be, you know, if we could create some sort of an online business that we could work and travel at the same time, wouldn't that not be a, a, you know, the dream kind of scenario? And I was like, yeah, but you know, that's easier said than done. And, you know, it it turned out it it was as well, because it was a lot of research that had to go into it. So long story short, I started researching um, how to kind of make money online, what kind of ways, you know, uh, could be done. And back then I had zero, like I love computers and that, but I had zero, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I had zero kind of, um, I didn't know anything about the online game, how to make money online or anything like that. So I stumbled, I stumbled across uh, freelance writing and it had a low barrier of entry. I says, you know what, let me look into this a bit further. So I did a bit of research. I found that, you know, if you email a few marketing companies and position yourself as a freelance writer that you know there could be a chance that they might give you some work so that's what i did i sat down i remember sitting down one day and i said i'm going to go onto google now and i'm going to just look in, in in ireland get all seo agencies marketing agencies um and email them and position myself as a freelance writer and that's what i did and i did that you know for i think it was a maybe a couple of weeks uh, i got a couple of replies and funny enough one of them first clients is actually still with us today. And it was a case of, they said, show me some examples of your writing. I had a few, uh, a few um, uh, articles already pre-written, sent them off to them. And they said, okay, let's go on a trial. So we did a paid trial. I think it was five euro for a 500 word article back then. And uh, things just went from there. But getting your first client was simply a case of rolling up the sleeves, going on to Google, finding the contact email and a contact um, a name for all these different companies and sending out personalized emails over and over. And that's how I got started. Yeah, so, so that's, uh, I suppose, you really you, you painted a picture of who your ideal client would be. And rather than pinching, pitching the businesses themselves, you know, you decided to go to the agencies who would manage the businesses already. So they already have the, the work and they just need yes. somebody to help them essentially they're outsourcing to you that was what they were doing at that point exactly exactly another thing i suppose just the first thing i ever did when it came to making money online just to drop it in here is uh i tried to run adwords to sell uh an ebook for mafia wars <laughs> which was a, <laughs> which was a facebook game back That's in the right. day yeah <laughs> that was the first thing that i ever did on on google uh you know make money online needless to say it was uh a massive disaster and I just lost money to Google AdWords. Yeah, 
that's 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 what Google AdWords is there for. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, like in, you know, many people say it's like a slot machine if you don't know what you're doing with it, and I would agree. Yeah, exactly. It's it's there to suck up the money. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you know this now with the local SEO side of things, how yeah. you know it, it can be powerful and effective when done correctly. Oh, it's massive. If it's done correctly, it's as you said. If you don't know what you're doing, you might as well just throw the money into the bin because it's there to suck up money for the people that don't know what they're at. But with any bit of competency in it, it's a great, great platform. It, probably, it is the best apart from Facebook, which is a different sort of buyer that you're looking at or that. But AdWords is is the king when it comes to online advertisements in my eyes. Excellent. So I suppose just winding back there into what you were talking about with regards, you know, it, you wanted to get started building a business online. Mm. You know, you wanted to be able to travel while you did it. And you, you put in that initial research and work and reached out to these agencies. And w- would you have any sort of an idea, you know, looking back on how, how long it took you to get those first clients? And, you know, as well, were you doing anything during that time? Did you have jobs during that time or did you have savings or, you know, how, how did it look at that point in your uh, journey? Yeah, so um, Florence wasn't involved in any of this uh, for the first for the first six months, she was working a full-time job in a, a child mind facility, crash or whatever. So I had, I had a small poker company that I was running uh, weekly poker tournaments in uh, pubs and that. So that was my kind of, um, that was my income back then. And I also, so I also had a lot of free time. So it was a perfect kind of scenario for me because I knew that when I get in, when I'm involved in something, I kind of go hell for leather as to say, I went, you know, rolled up the sleeves, really got stuck in. I just wanted to see, test the water kind of thing. You know, it was costing me nothing on my time back then. So I was more than happy to just do hours and hours of research, compile these little Google uh, Excel sheets back then of uh, these potential, you know, clients that I was going to reach out to. So, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, work involved. Nowadays, obviously I don't do any of that, but if I was to give a, a tip to someone starting out that way, I just say, Go online and hire someone for, you know, 10 or an hour or something to do that work. Or even you can get it a lot cheaper because it is just kind of data entry work. And if you don't have the time, it's a good investment of a few quid to get someone else to do that research for you, as long as you give them exactly the kind of specifications and requirements you're looking for. Absolutely. You're you're completely right there. And that's, you know, I suppose sometimes it's good, especially when you're starting out to go through the process yourself. Absolutely. There's nobody else is going to look after your business like you. Um, at the end, at the end of the day, and you know, especially if you don't have correct operating procedures and systems for how you go about uh, finding these agencies, what you would say, things like that. So I would, I would agree with you there. And I suppose for somebody else, it's great that you're giving somebody a tip who is starting out. Can we talk now a little bit more about as you as you progressed? So let's say you know you had a couple of clients on board, and and let's say it's it's starting to take up maybe a bit more time than you, you would like, you know, for the return, maybe. Uh, so, yeah. you know, can we talk about that transition? Because there comes a point as a freelance writer. So that's how I started as well with freelance writing. As you know, you know that yourself you used to do 500 words for $10. And there comes a point where you jack up your rate. <laughs> yeah, of course. Or you get too busy. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you realize that you've either undersold yourself and you're flat out working for, you know, you should be getting paid more or, you know, you know, you're you're in a position where you're burning out because you're you're just got so many projects on and you've got so much writing. So you need to start outsourcing. So exactly, can we talk about what that looked like for you? You know, when when that process happened, what was going through your mind and how you approached it? Yeah, so I as I said, I started out doing all the writing myself, writing like you know uh, five ten dollar articles for a couple of the clients. Um, 
that I got. And I remember then one order I got from, from one of the clients. It was a, a new client that I got just right time, right place. Uh, he sent me, uh, he sent me, he said, like, I need 55 articles. They're all tech articles, like, you know, stuff to do with, you know, um, online stuff and all this. That I just remember, like, going, okay, these are a little bit more technical, technically advanced. And um, he said, I'll pay you 750 euro for the total order. So I don't know what that worked out per article, but I, I just remember going, like, wow, this is. Like this is legitimate money coming in if you know if I can manage to do all this right myself. So I remember saying, "Look, I'll have all these fifty-five articles back for you in a two-week period." And he was like delighted. He was like going, "Really?" He goes, "You can deliver that." And I says, "Yeah, just give me two weeks, and I'll have everything back like at the end of that two weeks." So I remember then saying to Florence again, she had no kind of idea what this whole online freelance writing thing was but i remember saying like you know i think if i could find someone that would help me do some of this writing i'll be able to you know take a load off my back and also and also you know still meet the deadline so i went on to uh, odesk at the time which now as you know is combined with freelancer into called upwork but it was called odesk back then and this was in 2013 and uh, I, I put up a job list and just asking for anyone that was able to write technical articles. And I remember finding a few people and I found one guy from, from India who was able to write them. And I think he was charging five or six dollars to do them. So I tested him out with one initially and it came back and I kind of went through it. And, you know, it was fine. There was very little I could fault with it back then. Or so I thought. But anyway, I gave him another bunch of these uh, articles. And I think in total... I think in total he maybe did 10 to 15 out of the 55 which was a massive help for me because I was able to you know free up some of my time and also get 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 help writing them so the I, I sent them back the the client was delighted one or two edits had to be made on one or two of the articles I think and they were my own my own articles that needed the edit work on so after that I kind of saw the light at the end of the tunnel because I am not and never was, and I talk about this in my blog, I, I was never a writer. I told you this as well from the start, Adam. Um, writing was not something that I could uh, ever see myself doing full-time or anything like that, just because it's just not in me. It's, it's not how my brain functions. I can do some research and I can put together a little article and that's fine, but it was starting to kind of really, you know, I, I knew that if I was able to grow the business, I needed to have other people come on board with me that I was able to train up and and, and do that work for me. So I saw the kind of light at the end of the tunnel when I took on that guy from India to do some articles. And I was thinking, okay, if I can find a few more people like that, I can then, you know, start outsourcing 50% of the work I'm taking on. I can take on more clients. And that's that's kind of slowly and surely how the whole outsource um, uh, side of the project took on its own set of legs. And the end of 2013, when we were in Thailand, we had more or less outsourced 100% of our work. So we were more in a, a, a project project management side of, uh, side of the game. That's brilliant to hear. It's such an mm. evolution of the process, I suppose, isn't it? You know how... Yeah, and, and it went pretty quick. Like, it wasn't a case that we were, you know... I, I was writing for a few months myself. When we left then um, to go to Thailand, obviously, Flower was... I was training Flower up on well, how things go and stuff like this. but. Um, it, it wasn't a case like we were waiting around, you know, a year, two years before we outsourced. We literally had everything outsourced six months after we, you know, left left home. Well, that's proper business management there, isn't it? You know, you pull the trigger, you realize that 
you know, the thing you were doing wasn't for you. Um, freelance writing, anybody like it's a good, it's a good business to get into and it's a good place to start. But in hindsight, now looking back, I remember getting handed like uh, we needed a hundred articles for Yankee candles. And it was like, oh. <laughs> I had a hundred articles with pretty much the same keywords for all these different blogs or whatever that they were going on as guest posts. And you know, it was just hard work <laughs> writing a yeah. hundred articles about Yankee candles and home design and making your room smell lovely. And I was like, this is not what I want to be doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's it. And it takes, you know, there's, there's, I always think that as well, like, you know, cause some of our writers are just machines, like they really are. But I just think, you know, there's a side of the brain or something that really, you know, they're, they can really dial in the whole writing kind of side of things they're creative as well so that if they have to write a couple of articles on around the same topic they're able to function my brain doesn't work like that yours probably the same it's just it's not the way i'm i'm genetically wired to to kind of process that kind of stuff um but the ones that are fair play to them because it is a tough it's not like people think it's easy and it is you know getting in and doing an article here or there but to, like some of our writers are just like they're full-time and they're full-time just with us because of the amount of work we give them and uh, I just applaud them because they have their own systems in place, which is, you know, that that's a, an obstacle on their own end. And uh, they're, they're more than capable of just churning out chunks of, you know, quality content week in, week out. And they've doing that for like, you know, five years, some of them, because we have some of the writers that we found initially that are still with us today. So it's, you know, it's not for everyone, but as a business, the outsource model is a great uh, way of making money online. That's right. And so long as you can keep on top of quality control and I yeah. know you have good systems in place for that. And if, you know, Florence is still very much actively project manager on, on that side of things. And you were as well up until, you know, you, re- you really started focusing on. Florence has definitely in the last two years overtaken, you know, 95% of the content side of things because, uh, you know, it's it just shows the, the evolution of her kind of side of things as well, because while I was always into computers and tech and stuff like this, Florence didn't even have a laptop two months before we left in 2013. That's how unclued in she was. And she took to it like a duck to water. She just, she like, she was developing apps at one stage, as you know, back in 2015 or whatever. I was like, what's going on here? Like, it was just crazy stuff like that she took to it so well. But yeah, she's, she's predominantly the content uh, side of things now for the past two years, while I've been slowly kind of dipping into the, the SEO and the local stuff and the the outreach to the bloggers for the link building side of things as well. And, you know, with SEO, you know, SEO and writing kind of go hand in hand. You're not going to be a freelance writer without, you know, at least learning the basics of SEO because a lot of what people are going to want is SEO optimized articles. Yeah. You know, was that the natural transition there between, you know, writing the content? And I suppose, you know, I do know a little bit of backstory. Like we did both did blogger outreach where we would reach out to websites to try and get links placed on them at one point. Um, so, yeah. you know, that that's a, an, an SEO tactic, if you will, you know, um, as well. So, you know, this transition into SEO, where did this come about? And, you know, what, what, what pulled you towards it? Yeah, well, it was actually, we were in, um, SEO was always something that fascinated me because, you know, it's, it's a skill that's, I think, uh, you know, there's three there's three skills online. I have, and I've always said it that are you know vital to have. If you're you know if you can do some copywriting kind of stuff, freelance writing. If you're skilled at that, if you have, if you're able to build websites, and if you can do SEO, I think those those are three skills that in our lifetime 
ain't going to be going anywhere, you know, I, I, in terms of um, disappearing because the internet would have to disappear for that to, for that to happen. So um, I always valued, you know, those three components as skills that it would be great to um, at least have a good understanding of. So we met a couple in Las Vegas, um, as it turned out, back in 2016. And uh, they were doing local SEO, which at the time we didn't understand what local SEO was. But as it turned out, it's just helping businesses that on a local level. So obviously, you'd be doing SEO for business in Vegas and getting them ranked in Google for terms that are related to Las Vegas rather than nationally or globally. They were explaining their kind of model, which was like, you know, these little rank and rent uh, websites. So they build their own uh, websites that just say they're, they build a, a plumbing website or a car, carpet cleaning website, and then they get a ranked in Google for the different uh, terms like, you know, carpet cleaner Las Vegas, you know, plumbing Las Vegas, and all these different uh, keywords relating to those search terms. And once they get it ranked, they were just calling up businesses that were on the second page, third page of Google for those keywords and saying, look, I'm number one or I'm in the top three in Google. You know, I'm getting all these calls. Would you like to rent the website off me on a month by month basis? I was fascinated by this. And so as far as he was like going, wow, is it like, is it really as easy as that? And it turned out it wasn't. But the, the, the model behind it was, it was that easy. You know, you get, you build a website, get it ranked in Google. You then hire it out to a local business owner in that niche and they pay you either per call or a flat monthly fee. So that, that kind of really, that really got us into the whole kind of mindset of like, okay, we've three months now in Vegas, you know, maybe we can, you know, turn our attention, you know, as well as maintaining the, con- the content side of things, but let's start learning SEO. Let's start learning how to, um, how to, you know, do this local SEO side of things. So that's kind of how we got started in, in that whole local SEO uh, area. So it's kind of a situation where, you know, you meet somebody and it sparks something in your head, really, isn't it? And you just think, oh, yeah, I can do that, <laughs> you know, and, and then you start learning, you know, learning about it. And, you know, there's there's always going to be blogs and websites that are talking about the thing that you're trying to learn. So it's just about finding some good resources. And, you know, one thing I admire about you, Carlo, is you are very actionable. So you don't sit around and dwell on doing things. You know, you you pretty, as you said before, you know, you roll up sleeves, get stuck in. Does it work? Does it not work? Exactly. Trial by error instead of pondering on it and overthinking the life out of it. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it, it, it just, you can put a, a line, draw a line under the sand. That if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, you have a time investment or a, a monetary investment, depending on what it is you're testing. But then you have, you have data to kind of say, is it worth pursuing or is it something that you might be interested in or is it a no show at all? So you can get, you, you just get, you get feedback from your actions and you can then decide what to do with that afterwards. Yeah, and your 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 data is pretty self-explanatory. It's you have clients who pay you, or you know, for either the content or for the SEO. It's 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 pretty. You know, it's either working or it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's and and due to the nature of of the the business model with local SEO, and especially if you own the lead gen side, once you get it ranked and you've done that the work for the few months to get it where it is, well, then it's passive. You know, the the money you make from them websites is passive like it's as passive as you can get as i was saying to you i've i've some websites now that we have up and running a year and a half that are making us uh bringing us in a thousand dollars a month from certain websites and that's just a recurring payment every month we get from our clients that are you know getting all the calls that that website brings them so it's as passive a business as you can get but like any passive income there is work 
involved you just don't suddenly say i want to have a passive income and you know click fingers and you need to develop systems as you said you need to put in research there is a work and time commitment uh, and monetary commitment for most of these projects. So once you get them in place and once they're self-running, it's as passive as you can get. It's definitely a very interesting business model. I find it fascinating and, you know, I've dug into it uh, quite a bit as well myself. And, you know, like you're saying, it's not easy because it's not something you can just wake up tomorrow and whack something up and decide you're going to charge somebody money. Like the ironic thing about this is you have to, you really have to deliver, you know, if you're not getting calls, new leads for businesses, then they're not going to keep paying you really. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely an interesting business model, but you need to deliver. But as you said, once you've built the systems in place and you go through that initial, you know, the initial um, building and ranking of a site and getting the PPC up and running, it can become quite passive because all these things are set up. You've done the initial work up front. And then after that, you can, you can generate your revenue passive somewhat. Yeah, exactly. And, and and the other good thing about this is it's it's it can be a very, very easy sell once you get the website ranked and it's generating calls. You know, a lot of people, when they're, when they're going to, you know, do the SEO route, they go and they're trying to find clients to work on their website. And if you ring up the business owner and go, Hey, Mr. Business Owner, give me $1,000 a month and I'll do SEO on your website. And maybe two or three months down the line, you get calls from it. Well, like that's not a really good deal for the, in the business owner's eyes because they don't care about webs. They don't care about SEO. They just care about the phone ringing or you know calls coming in. So if you have a website that you've built and is already ranking and it's already getting calls, well, then it's a very easy sell to ring up and say, Hey, Mr. Business Owner, I have a carpet cleaning site here and it's getting you know five or six calls a day. How about you taking these calls for a day or two of a trial and if you think you know there's value in the calls well let's talk about it once he sees once he knows that these calls are coming from you or your website he doesn't even need to know the website he just needs to know that there's people ringing up looking for the services he provides well he's it's going to be a no-brainer that he's going to say okay let's talk how do we how do i keep the tap turned on on these calls then you know you don't have to worry about doing seo you just literally forward the number to him and he gets the calls and he pays you a monthly fee or per call, whatever way you want to work out a deal. It's such an easy sell. I mean, results now rather than results later. That's the whole rank and rent versus client SEO. It's such an easy sell. Yeah, client SEO is always a hard one. I've been there myself for your... Because you can never guarantee anything. You know, there's best practices, there's guidelines, you, you can do all the right things. But, you know... It's it's often very difficult, and I've been in these conversations with people. But when can when will I be on page one? When will this keyword yeah. be number one? And you're like, it's impossible to answer that question. And anybody who says who guarantees it, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, they're full of shit. <laughs> and you know, no, they are. Yeah, as you know, we don't control Google. <laughs> no, we don't. You know, but you can do all the right things, and you can do your best. And depending on how competitive it is, you know, local SEO is very different. Like if you're talking about national SEO or e-commerce. SEO, you know, global, uh, you know, even affiliate SEO, you know, those, it's very different. Local SEO is very specific. It's to a specific region. There's lots of, just having very good on-site and a couple of quality links built to the site can really make a massive difference for. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, getting back to the the client SEO that you were saying, it, you know, it can be a hard sell. And I do client SEO as well. And it's very different than the rank and rent model because, yeah, you have to, like what I do now is, I turn on AdWords straight away using some of the budget for that client because you know what? No client wants to wait 
three, four, five, six months for calls to start coming in, especially if they're not ranked anywhere. But you can turn on AdWords today and an hour later, you can have that client getting a call. Once they see the value that you bring, okay, then they're going to be saying, okay, I'm getting calls straight away. You can use a portion of that budget to get the calls coming in through AdWords while then you work on the background on the SEO so that they're not bothering you. Like They're not going to be saying, when am I going to get a call? You know, it shouldn't matter. The phone is ringing. That's all they should matter about is converting them potential customers into actual customers. You're allowed to work in the background month by month on the SEO side of things. And then when the SEO kicks in and you're ranking organically, then you can turn off the AdWords tap. You know, you're saving yourself some money then in in terms of, you know, uh, not spending it on AdWords. But uh, a lot of people go about it different ways. I know a lot of people don't bother with the rank and rent method because, you know, there's a time and a monetary side of things that, you know, it doesn't always work out. I've had websites that I've tried to rank, could never get them ranked. Either it was too competitive or there just wasn't enough uh, traffic in that niche, in that area. Um, so I can see both sides of the equation, but I do think there's a lot of value in owning the assets online yourself so that you know, no, you can't be fired by your client, but you can fire that client if they're not paying or if they're not you know, looking after their leads in a way that you know, is... Um, is good or that so um i do i do see the value in owning your own digital online properties so that you can control everything kind of like the affiliate um, model you know if you're if you're doing affiliate seo you own that property so you can never get a client tipping you on the shoulder and saying hey not paying you next month it's only google you gotta watch out for <laughs> of course and and uh, like anything google is the the, the ultimate <laughs> i learned that when i came back from thailand didn't i and i had all you know i had a massive pbn of travel sites and you know two, right. two updates happened and you know one in december Boom. one in, in january can't remember top of head which one it was it might have been penguin but Game over, night over, money making sites all gone. So you know that's the the difficulty with playing in the in in the darker arts of Google. But at the same time, everybody was doing it back then. It was the thing to do. PBNs, PBNs. Everyone was talking about it. Just like that, Google changed the rules. And I, I feel like with your business model, with with this local SEO business model. So just to to just paint the picture again, you know, with the content business, you provided a service. It was needed and wanted by these agencies. They needed somebody reliable through the content and you took that off their plate. Exactly. With the local SEO stuff, it's business owners, small business owners who are looking, they want, they need calls, they need customers, they need clients, and they want to get them from the internet. So they need somebody to help with their website, which in turn brings in SEO and also has an element of PPC. Like you're saying, they don't care necessarily where it's coming from, so long as the leads are legit. Like you are driving yeah. real, actual customers and leads to these businesses. There's nothing black hat or spammy about it. You're just doing the things that they maybe don't know how to do. Turn on the AdWords, optimize, do it correctly, you know, build out the citations, build out the links and, and do all the work that, you know, at the end of the day, a carpet cleaning company is out there cleaning carpets. That's how they make their money. That's exactly you know five, six, seven, eight years in the in the online marketing game where they just know what to do and and where to go for the yeah. services and and what tools to use. So you know you're providing once again a, a service that's needed and valuable, and that's what allows you to create this revenue and this income that then gives you the freedom to you know work remotely and to travel while you do it. Absolutely. You're in the bo- you're in the park of you know creating like you really do have service-based businesses and they work really well and built them to the point now where there's good systems in place. 
it just works for you. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, it's working for you. And these clients, like I know from talking with you personally that, you know, you even have some clients who you turn off the tap to got too busy <laughs> and they couldn't handle all the leads. <laughs> yeah. One client in Vegas in one of the niches there, he had to outsource the leads that I was providing them to a friend of his that was also in the same industry as him. He said, like, you know, they split the bill every month simply because he can't take all the leads. He ended up getting a new truck on the road as well because he wasn't organically ranking in, in uh, Google for his own website, which his website was around for three, four years. Whereas my one came along and I had it ranked in less than six months. So that shows you the power of doing something correctly when it works. You know, so he's he's on about even growing, taking on another truck on the road uh, so that he can, you know, take on all the leads himself and not have to pawn them off uh, to his friend. So that's a tip. That's just an, an example of the power of doing a local SEO route and specifically the rank and rent model, because I own that website. So if he one day decides I'm not going paying, not that he would because he, he'd be silly, but I would just go and contact the competitor of his, say, hey, do you want these 150 calls a month that's coming into the website? I'm sure he would. So it's a it's a it's a no-brainer it's an online asset you know it's similar in a way to the affiliate site model you know everybody you know maybe two three years ago everybody was building niche sites and you know that was the whole thing build these little niche sites then try and sell them everybody was building these little adsense sites build up the traffic and they're all trying to flip them on flipper and everything you know now i suppose that 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 model has evolved quite substantially with the likes of, you know, the empire flippers and people like that, where people are selling much bigger affiliate websites and even Amazon FBA businesses and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, you, you own that asset that is yours. And while you're not going to sell it per se, you could if you really wanted to. Oh, yeah. And you're not held, you know, the client doesn't have you held to ransom, as you're saying, like, you know, if he fires you today, all those leads are gone because you turn off the AdWords, you own the site, you change the number that's then your asset to sell to somebody else versus done all that work on somebody's website and then they stop paying it. So like, all right, this is working now. While if you didn't do the AdWords in your account, um, I won't even get into that. But like, you know, if you're doing the AdWords in their account versus your account or, you know, whatever. But, you know, essentially they could, you know, if the website was ranking and all things being equal, they could just stop paying you and, you know, continue going with what they're going with. So it's a fabulous business model um, to have, you know, but it's definitely one that requires a fair bit of time, research and work up front and, you know, a, a, quite a bit of management at the start. But I suppose as you as you grow it, uh, these things become a little bit more passive because it requires less of a time investment from yourself. Those were some great tips with regards getting, um, you know, managing how you're managing your local SEO business and you know what it looks like from your perspective and how it's definitely something that provides value and it's a it's a service that's needed and wanted. I suppose in the small business industry, you know, businesses need this and they want to outsource it to somebody who's, you know, somebody who's reliable and who's going to deliver results. So you found a good market for that and now we're going to just dig into a wee little bit of a quick fire round if you don't mind carlo no not about <laughs> quick questions and uh you know give me your you know the first answer that comes to your head so this is just so here we go uh asana or trello trello <laughs> coffee or tea coffee upwork or fiver upwork hotel lounges or cafes for working cafes favorite holiday destination thailand favorite city to be a digital nomad in Chiang Mai. <laughs> Last book you read? Uh, the China Study by Colin Campbell. Favorite podcast? Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Can you name two blogs that you follow? AHREFs. AHREFs is definitely one I follow. Um, 
can't really say I follow many others that are consistent. Um, let's go with Wandering Earl. Inspiring travel blog. <laughs> <laughs> Mac or Windows? Mac. Oh, Mac all day. Once you go Mac, you never go back. back. <laughs> Not for this, no way. That's it. All right. So, Carlo, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to the audience today and you know really delve into all the different elements of your business. I appreciate it. No problem. I enjoyed it now, so I did. Really good. I suppose just kind of finishing up. So, you know, quick little round off. Have you any tips for somebody who maybe wants to get into the, you know, creating a digital nomad lifestyle for themselves? They want to start a business that would allow them to work location independent. Have you any, you know, kind of final words for them? Or Yeah, I think I think what it comes down to is like you have to find something that, you know, I don't like the whole you have to be passionate about something because, you know, that's that always doesn't kind of cross over too well. But I think you have to like sit down, do some research, think about what it is you could do. Like, is your skill set in the creative side of, uh, you know, doing something online? Would you be more of a nuts and bolts kind of person? Find out something that you think you, you know, at least test and make a go of. Uh, For me, obviously, the first thing that I did, luckily enough, turned out to be something that's created a nice income for the past five years. And I've created a nice business out of it, but that's not for everyone. Uh, there's other people that might go down the whole maybe designing websites or, uh, or graphical, graphical kind of stuff. Other people might go straight into the SEO. It all depends on how your brain works. What you have to do is you have to figure out though what it is you want to achieve from the maybe the business that you're hoping to build. For us, it was a lifestyle kind of choice that we wanted to be able to work and travel. You know, we didn't want to be restricted by location. Uh, that was the main thing for us. We wanted to have our own freedom that we could say, hey, we're going to go here, over here, wherever we want in the world, whenever we wanted, and be able to, you know, shut down the laptop, pop it away and uh, open it up in the new location and continue our business. That was our goal. Freelance writing isn't glamorous. Content writing agency managing 40 people is not glamorous. Don't for one second think it is, but it works for us. We've, 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 We've developed it into something that we can manage on the road while we travel, even full time. But it's not glamorous. The rank and rent kind of stuff is a little more glamorous because you know there ain't much work involved after you do the initial getting the websites ranked and that. But um, I think you just got to sit down, find out you know what it is you want to do, test it, you know, baby steps, dipping the toe into the water here and there, and then kind of figure things out from there. That'd be my advice. Perfect. Thanks very much for that, Carlo. I appreciate it and I appreciate your time and wish you you and Florence all the best with your adventures. I know you've got some exciting trips planned coming up. Uh, Can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, well, we, as I said, we have nextstopwhoknows.com is our is our personal kind of blog uh, travel website that we've on the go since 2011. And uh, we also have our business website, nextstopmarketing.com, where we you know do our freelance writing, um, local SEO kind of stuff. So they can find us either there and we're active online on our Next Stop Who Knows Facebook page. So you can find us there, definitely. Well, make sure to go and check out Carlo's website and his agency if you're needing any of the services that he mentioned in the podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. It really was great to have Carlo on because he brings a wealth of experience with managing multiple online businesses with him and his partner. And they truly do live that lifestyle that so many people aspire to. They spend about three or four months of the year in different places, travel around the world and have managed to build a great business with multiple service offerings and a virtual team that allows them to deliver and work remotely. 
If you found this episode interesting, please give us a rating on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. And head over to digitalnomadcafe.com to get access to more episodes. And thanks very much. And make sure to check in for future episodes when we have more inspiring entrepreneurs coming up. There's some great guests booked for the upcoming podcast. Thank you very much and have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.